How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Leading Ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month featuring Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, Mel King, At the King's Theater in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday, March 20th. Tickets are on sale now. You don't want to miss this amazing night of music dedicated to uplifting women's voices. With Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, and Christina Perry. Odyssey's Leading Ladies presented by Olay Body. Buy your tickets now at kingstheater.com. Now, it's Gabe time. Gabe Kuhn. Gabe Kuhn was one of the great little trivial nuggets in all football bios. His grandfather was the inventor of... The Easy Bake Oven. Like a boss. The best lineman on the radio. Well, the only lineman on the radio. It's game time. Game time. We're ready. The Gabe Coon Show. 92.9 FM ESPN. Welcome in. Tuesday, July 18, 2023. Penny Hardaway Day. Happy 52nd to... Penny Hardaway, July 18, 1971, Penny Hardaway was born, 52 today. But welcome into the Gabe Kuhn Show. I am your host, Gabe Kuhn, on Twitter at G underscore Kuhn, 71, former Memphis Tiger offensive lineman. I'm alongside the executive producer of the Gabe Kuhn Show. That would be Connor Dunning on Twitter at cdunning929. Connor, what's the word, brother? What's up, man? It's also the Dark Knight's birthday. Oh, really? 15. Wow. That's a good one. That's a good one. Didn't know about that. I rely on you for things like that. That's what Barbenheimer, I'm here for. Barbenheimer, fast approaching, brother. Oh, the the hype is is at a it's, it's real at a fever pitch. It's real. I, I didn't cannot real, get. It even, I didn't realize how bigger. many people were disinvested in Barbenheimer as a whole. We have uh, reserved our spots for brunch and dinner. Yes, we are ready to rock. It's going to be awesome. Are you going to let the people know brunch and dinner? Brunch is going to be at the liquor store. Good, good choice. Dinner is going to be at Buckley's. Great choice. Buckley's underrated. Severely underrated. Steak and bourbon. That's all I need before I see yeah. Oppenheimer. They have good fish there, too. Don't sleep on the salmon. I will be eating steak. Okay, I got you. I've Understood. never had a cigarette, but I feel like I need to smoke one. <laughs> <laughs> Alongside Cillian Murphy, yeah. Killian, how dare you. Killian, is it Killian? Yeah, it's Killian. Why is it a C, then? Why don't we just Because he's Irish. Case? He's one of my fellow Irishmen. Okay, I got you. Now, three hours to talk on the way, courtesy of 92.9 FM ESPN. And yours truly, I'm going to open here in just a moment. We're going to continue the running back value debate, but it's just raging on. Derrick Henry says, take the position out of the game if you're not going to pay them right, even though he's paid relatively well and handsomely. Um, but we're going to continue that debate. It's unbelievable to see what's happening. Um, it is, uh, it's been transitioning this way for some time now, but it has gotten to a, a peak. It has it is hit a peak of just, or a low, you should say, honestly, a valley of running back value. And, you know, Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, May not even play next year, based on some of the reports that we're that we're seeing at this point. Also, summer league ended yesterday. Imani Bates, Imani Bates looks good, man. I I I have some points to make. I have some points to make there. SEC Media Days Day Two. Um, Kirby stepped to the mic. There was really somewhat of an avoidance of the off season discussion there, so there wasn't much from Kirby. 
But I think the story of the day ultimately comes down to Connor. Hugh Freeze is back in the SEC. First media days back since the, uh, the way Ole Miss ended. And he spoke on that. He said he didn't know if he would ever coach in the SEC again. Something tells me he did know, ultimately, especially after his time at Liberty, that he was going to get there. But regardless, Hugh Freeze is back in the SEC. As far as guests are concerned, Jeff Calkins, 5 o'clock, normal. Uh, Jeff Calkins show, Daily Memphian, and it's at 6 o'clock, as is customary on a Tuesday. Christian Fowler, he is at a lake house, though. He's at a lake house, though. We'll see uh, We'll see how his uh, reception comes in, but we'll have some Tigers to talk about. We have not uh, caught up since Javon Quinterly committed. Uh, you know, AAC Media Days are coming up in six days for football, so we're going to have to catch up on, on the football program and how that's looking at the moment. But Christian Fowler, of course, on the Bluff Podcast. You can get that. We're co-hosts on that for the Bluff City Media Network. You can find that YouTube, Bluff City Media YouTube channel, Apple, or Spotify. Uh, we'll hop into the Blitz around 6.30, where Dion, Coach Prime just catches stray after stray. This time, this was Friday. But Brent Venables, head coach at Oklahoma, threw another stray at, uh, at Coach Prime. And granted, I think most of the, the bullets that have been thrown, the stones that have been thrown at Coach Prime thus far have been anonymous. I, I guess I have a little bit of respect for Brent Venables using his name and putting his name behind what he's saying. But I still think it's absolutely, positively ridiculous that we have to continue to go down this path and shoot down what Dion is doing in year one at Colorado. Um, being that Barbenheimer also is uh, going to be on Thursday, that's, a, that's opening night, in small talk, we're going to go Margot Robbie top five today, Connor. Are you ready for that? Oh, I'm, I'm you're, extremely you're okay. always ready for a Margot I'm, Robbie I'm very, top five. I'm very always. prepped. I am, I'm incredibly prepped for a Margot Robbie top five. And then tomorrow we'll do Christopher Nolan. For Oppenheimer, so we went. We do the Barbie. We're going to do the Barbie today, and we'll do the Oppenheimer tomorrow. So we have two top fives coming in, very hot. Before I'm out of the office on Thursday and Friday, I'll be back on on Monday. After that, you're going to be able to get by without me. I think so. Okay, rock on, rock on. Glad to hear that. Uh, before I get into anything of of super note, I saw today, being that it's hot outside and we're about to get into fall camps, there was a uh, something that came across my Twitter timeline. Did you see the State University of New York Morrisville? D3 school. D3 school. They installed. Like, field turf is normal, and we know how field turf can, can get, especially in the summer. And I know we're in Memphis, so it's a little different than where, what it would be like in Morrisville, in New York. But uh, you see the heat waves that always come up. Uh, you know, people that, that are big fans of the University of Memphis, you remember the UCLA game, how hot that was. Ole Miss in 2018, how hot that was. The State University of New York, Morrisville, installed black field turf. We stray further from God's light every single day. Whose idea was that? Definitely not a player or a coach. That coaches. is brutal. You're, I mean, you're going to have burnt cleats. The, the spikes on your – I mean, everything's, everything's going to melt. Those poor kids. I mean, those kids need prayers up, prayers down, prayers sideways for what they're going to have to go through in fall camp. I don't know how their coach is. Uh, again, D3, State University of New York, Morrisville. But their coach better be nice to them. I have to say that. There better be a lot of water out there. Uh, we know how black can uh, – it, it traps heat. It traps heat. Black field turf? Oh, my Lord. Connor, that, that depressed me. 
It Let's makes see. absolutely no sense. I'm not sure how it got past so many people before they considered how <laughs> people are going to actually be melting into the field when it comes game time and practice. Could you imagine being an opposing team coming in and being like, are you serious? That's hell. Black? That's hell. Why? Black field turf? That's hell. Why? Wait till, it, I, I mean, we understand. need to get into like the fall, like the real fall weather before I really feel okay about black field turf. But why black field turf? I mean, good lord! I mean, it looks cool. It does look cool, of course, because it's, it's not practical though. <laughs> it's dumb. It's awful. Those kids again. Prayers up, prayers down, prayers sideways. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know how they're going to get through a fall camp. Fall camp is already brutal enough, but on black field turf, they said, "Mercy it, me!" In a statement, they said that they wanted to give student athletes a, un, a unique identity to rally around. So melting. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> unique identity of just absolutely getting punished. Through, through summer and through They're going to bond over heat strokes. Yeah. Trauma bonding. Here we come. Yeah, make sure we have the water, the gator lights, everything. Honestly, those, does those this count as hazing? It should. It honestly should, yeah. <laughs> the the higher-ups, the AD needs to be held accountable for this. Right. For real. Pat Fitzgerald right Let's now is being like, are court. you serious? We need to take them to court. Like, at least I kept my field green. Oh, my gosh. Just brutal stuff. Brutal stuff. Now, last night, Summer League, completely over with. Cavs annihilate the Rockets, 99-78. Now, granted, Rockets lose. Cam Whitmore was great. Cam Whitmore was the Summer League MVP. He was fantastic. And, like, to see him drop to 20 and how that ultimately happened, I don't quite understand. I mean, if you looked at most NBA draft analysts and saw where they had him ranked, he was right outside the top three. He was right outside the Victor Wimbanyamas, um, Scoot Henderson, and Brandon Millers of the world. I mean, he was, he was right up there. Jay Billis, I think, had him at four. If you were watching the ESPN, the, the NBA draft on ESPN, but Cam Whitmore, that's a fun, that's a fun pickup for the Rockets. And you know, I, I, I'm, I still don't have a whole lot of hope for the Rockets going forward. We'll see how the Dylan Brooks, Fred Van Vliet's of the world can bring along that young core. But that young core, I, I think there's a lot more to look forward to. Amen Thompson, you have uh, uh, Cam Whitmore. You're going to have Jabari Smith, who got taken out real early in summer league because he averaged, I think, 35 points a game. And now you have those two vets. Rockets, it's looking a little more up. I still, again, dark horse play-in team going into next year. We're a couple years off from if they'll ever hit some type of stride with what they have on that roster. But that that was fun to see. The, the, The Rockets, Cam Whitmore. Solid. Yeah, and, and they have Sangoon, too, who I think is going to turn into a very solid NBA player. He already really is. Yeah, but I, I really do think that their commitment to the youth right now is going to be good. I like that Ingmay is going to be there. Dylan Brooks and Fred Van Fleet I don't really think are long-term plans for them. I think they are just guys that they needed to bring in to help stop. establish a culture. Stop and Yeah, stopgap and just to not be absolute dog S, which I don't think they're going to be. Like you said, they're kind of a sneaky play-in team if they can put it together. Cam Whitmore, it was really the injuries are what made him drop, but the Rockets took a chance on him, and it looks like that it could pay off for him. And it's weird. I, I heard injuries, too, with him, but I think more so than anything, I heard he's kind of a he's, – he's intrusive. He's not a not a very outgoing guy, and he didn't do well in interviews. I, that's a, for a guy, for a guy with that level of talent to fall because he didn't perform well in interviews, I find that we. I'm going to be stupid. honest. I think we take these interviews way too seriously. Yeah. Way I mean, we're, seriously. And we're talking about 18, 19, 20-year-olds. Do you expect them to be Anthony like Edwards said fully he didn't like formed? basketball during his or something like yeah, that. Yeah, but do we expect them to he be like fully formed, great communicators at that point in their in their life? Not no. really. Some are, some aren't. Cam Whitmore may not have been that way. I was a moron when I was 18. <laughs> right. Okay. Exactly. Understood. Now, uh, for me, though, what I really came to talk about, Imani Bates, 16.8 points per game in summer league after being drafted 49th overall by the Cavs, 19 points in the final. 
Uh, in the semifinal game, he went four for five from three. It is staggering to me the level of comfortability, the level of confidence he's displaying now in a pro setting. Now, granted, Summer League, you're playing against guys that are just trying to get on a roster. A lot of these guys you'll never see in the NBA, and it's, it's not the best talent in the world. But even against the best teams in Summer League, he performed at a high level, Connor. Like, the, the confidence you see just beaming off of him, it surpasses anything, anything we saw in his college days. Four wins at Eastern Michigan was not, uh, yeah, he averaged 19 points a game. He, he, he was not confident with what he was able to put on the floor. Same at Memphis. They tried to give, Penny tried to give him the keys to the uh, whole thing, tried to make him a point guard. He was not confident in the role that he played in college ball. And this really, I think for a lot of guys, it, it is a case study. Amani Bates, I, I'll go out and say it this way because I think this is the truth. I think the NBA and the style of play in the NBA is built better for him long-term than anything he did in college. There's some guys that we see that just aren't built for college ball. In college, I mean, you're trying to hold guys under 60 points. You can pack the paint. You don't have the defensive three-second. Uh, you know, there's less emphasis on one-on-one, and there's more help defense because they're packing the paint the way they do. Sometimes especially offensively talented guys like we see with Imani Bates who can get a shot off from anywhere. Sometimes the NBA court and the NBA setups just better built for them long term, and I think we're seeing that with Imani. Absolutely. The spacing has been a huge advantage for him and having guys like Sam Morrell out there who are able to knock down the threes and they, they can get him some space. He's not the only shooter, and to be quite honest, they just need him to shoot. They're not really asking him to do much else except for scoring the basketball, and he has shown that he can knock down those threes. He's been pretty consistent. He's had a few, you know, high usage games where he wasn't knocking them down. But you know, overall, I, I you just want to see a guy really like that. You want to see a guy like that build confidence, and you saw right. that the, the the I mean, he's passing well defensively. He's locking in a lot better. He's finishing at the rim because he's less contested. He's seeing more one on ones, which just feeds his game drastically. And there's less emphasis on defense. So you can sort of hide him or he can be at least a serviceable guy on that end. It's just the NBA game so far, looking at Summer League. And again, it's just Summer League, so you always have to preface Summer League by saying, okay, this is not what he's going to see in the regular season or in in a a playoff setting. But this this feeds his game a lot better. And again, we've talked about it. I'm rooting for him. I know there's a lot of people in Memphis that may be turned away uh, by, by how it all ended with him and his pops. Um, but I think most people are of, of the reasonable thought that, that they're rooting for him long term. But I, 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 I just, yeah. I just, I, I look at his style, and, and you almost wonder if like a G League route, something like that, you know, overtime elite would have been a better route for him ultimately than than going the college route and having his his stock drop just exponentially over two years. It probably would have been best for him because he would have been able to come along and not been quote unquote given the keys. At the same time, though, he just wasn't ready for that next-level jump when he got to Memphis. His body wasn't ready. His style of play wasn't ready. I think that the culture shock of, you know, this guy's entire career, he has been the best player or one of the best players to walk onto the court every single time, and his pure talent has been able to get him over the hump with a lot of those games. But when he got to college, the athleticism 
caught up to him. Right. Like the athleticism caught up to his skill, and he didn't have the a- athleticism to give himself that advantage. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit Cox com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required minimum monthly payment down payment tax and delivery may be required see store for details leading ladies a concert in celebration of women's history month featuring kelsey ballerini megan trainer l king christina perry at the king's theater in brooklyn new york on wednesday march 20th tickets are on sale now you don't want to miss this amazing night of music dedicated to uplifting women's voices with kelsey ballerini megan trainer l king and christina perry odyssey's leading ladies presented by olay body buy your tickets now at kingstheater.com i think that extra year in college he started to figure it out a little bit he started to figure out how to move on the basketball court and how to really get into his role and he did he just you know he he basically started taking care of the basketball a little bit more and shooting. He wasn't trying to drive anymore. He's not really a creator. He just did his game when he got to Eastern Michigan, when at Memphis he was asked to do a little bit too much at that age. Well, of course. I think that that all played into it. But I think stylistically, you just look at some guys. Like, I look at all the guys from Arkansas, for example. Anthony Black did really well in summer league. Jordan Walsh where he offensively didn't have much of a bag at Arkansas because the, the, it's not as spaced out, the floor's not as open. He did well for the Celtics in summer league. Nick Smith Jr. barely played at Arkansas, and he was fantastic. He had a 33-point game in summer league. Like, you just see these guys sometimes. The college level, it, it's just harder to operate as a young player at times. And, and some of the guys there at the peak of their powers, guys that win MOPs of the Final Four, Adama Sanogo's way down, and he didn't have that great of a summer – it's just it's a different game altogether, and there's some guys that just aren't built for the college game, and I think Amani sort of fits that mold ultimately. Yeah, well, it, the college doesn't really have those guys who come in to just shoot and to just fill it up. You know what I mean? Like when you're in college, you have to be able to kind of do multiple things on the court at the same time. There are very few specialized. This guy's going to come off the bench and just try to score as much as possible, and that's really going to be his place in the NBA. I think his future. He could end up being a very good six man. Like that's mm-hmm. where I kind of see his his path ending up. He reminds I mean, me his of like offensive a, game. I think you can reminds almost, me of like a bigger Jordan Clarkson. You you could argue though his offensive game and the way he can get off a three point shot, the way he can get off the dribble and 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 go get to his spots in the mid range. You could argue that his ceiling may be even higher. Maybe I think realistically though, that, yeah, that's be a realistic. Good, that's a good sport, spot for him. He could be better than that. I just he reminds me of a bigger Jordan Clarkson. Every time I watch him play, he, that's what it reminds me of every single time. Yeah, but fun player. Fun player, fun player, and, and, and honestly, I, I sort of wonder um, the Cavs' plans with him year one. I don't think he's going to get a tremendous amount of run with the with the actual Cavs in the regular season, but who knows? I mean, the the progression we saw just in summer league, who knows what he does in the G League if he's on a two-way. could be interesting to watch. could be interesting to watch. To me, it feels like he needs a season in, in, some, in, uh, in the G League. 
You know what I mean? It's I I would be because again, he's not. It's not like he was playing NBA guys every single night. Right. That's going to be another jump for him. So let him be in the G League. Yeah. And just feel himself out. Let him keep, the, continue I, to I, I, develop his game because he's still very young. Yeah, I think ultimately the Cavs should feel good about getting him at forty nine, though. For, for I think sure. they should feel damn sure. good about getting him at forty nine. Yeah. Uh, also, speaking of the Cavs, Mobley brothers going to get some run at the same time for the Cavs. Isaiah Mobley, <laughs> he can hoop. He can hoop. I wonder how it translates to actual NBA regular season action. Yeah. He had twenty eight, and he was the summer league championship game MVP, and he I think he averaged somewhere around fifteen points per game. In summer league, we get some Evan Mobley, Isaiah Mobley on the same floor at the same time in an NBA regular season game. That could be a fun story to follow. It could be. It could be. I think the problem with the unfortunate thing for him, though, is that his brother is way better than him, and he plays the same position. Well, his brother's got all-star, all-NBA potential. (laughs) So it's kind of his brother kind of is going to market correct him in a weird way, but, you know. Maybe uh, maybe the G League. I mean, that's all you were hoping, though, for Isaiah, right? You knew Evan Mobley was always the talent. Isaiah just sort of, you know, got it to USC. He was solid at USC. He was really he's good a really USC. good player. Good player. But he, he had to get it out the mud where uh, Evan Mobley was never going to have to get it out of the mud. Right. To play for the Cavs and ultimately fit in. Now, yesterday was a big day of running back value conversation, Connor. What, what, let me ask you this just off the top. What did you make of, like, all of the – not much back and forth. It feels like most people are on this, on the same page as NFL front offices. And, I and like, I get the thought process. You want a rental uh, running back that you don't have to pay a whole lot of money so you can pay and spread it to other positions. Um, but it feels like most people, most fan uh, fans, media members, are sort of on the same page when it comes to paying running backs and they don't want to pay them much. I'm not sure I agree with the masses. I, no, I, 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 you know, I'm pro running back. I think I might have a weird take. I feel like the Chiefs have warped people's brains a little bit when it comes to running back value because I, they haven't necessarily had a go-to running Pacheco back. Pacheco and, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire on – I mean, Pacheco it, was undrafted. Clyde right. Edwards-Hilaire, they're paying a rookie deal to. Like, it's uh, Jarek McKinnon they got as a free agent for no money, vet minimum type deal. So, like, it warps people's minds, but I <laughs> – I know the NFL's a copycat league. Like, I get that part of it. But the amount of people in the 21st century that think you can just go copycat the Patriots, well, watch the Raiders. Raiders seem to be trying to do that, trying to bring the Patriot way to uh, Las Vegas. I'll get to that in a second. Josh Jacobs, that situation could be nasty week one. Uh, but the people that try to copycat the, the uh, Chiefs as well, you have to have a generational quarterback and generational coaching talent to be able to copycat that. Not not all 32 teams have that. And maybe the best tight end that's ever walked on the field? Other I, than I guess ultimately for me, I think everyone's treating every running back valuation situation the same. But I don't think all these, the, not all these situations are equal, right? Saquon and Josh Jacobs to their teams, especially last year, irreplaceable. Saquon, of course, I've said it a million times, 1,300 yards, accounted for a lot of touchdowns, and he was uh, tied for the lead on that team with receptions. Josh Jacobs, if you look at what he did last year, and just through his career, he's a two-time Pro Bowler, first-team All-Pro, one-time first-team All-Pro. He led the league in rushing last year, 1,653 yards. He accounted for 34% of the Raiders' offensive yards last year. He led the league in all-purpose yards. He had 30% of their touchdowns offensively last year. I, I I just I don't know how the Raiders see that. And maybe, again, they're moving in a different direction and they're trying to rebuild, but I would think Josh McDaniels and 
a lot of those guys, you know, Ziegler, Dave Ziegler in the front office, like you would think that they'd be desperate at this moment to at least try to be serviceable next year. Josh Jacobs gives you your best chance to do that. If you don't have him, you don't have Darren Waller anymore, you're, you're going to have to find somebody to replace that production. Who's going to do that? Amir Abdullah? Zamir White? It, it breaks my heart, too, for these running backs because it's not about, like, the money they want. It's not about per-year value. It's not about valuation, getting tens of millions of dollars per year. That could be on the table for the talent they have. But it's more about guarantees and security, right? It's about getting the guaranteed up money up front and, and having the money in your bank before you ultimately fall off a cliff. And I know that they ultimately do fall off a cliff, unless you're Adrian Peterson, Frank Gore, some of those guys that we've seen, Emmett Smith, some of the guys we've seen in the past. Like they, They're just they're aliens in a lot of ways. But again, it's not about making these exorbitant amounts of money. It's about having some security. And I, I'm going to keep beating this drum. I, I think that's, I think that should be more relatable than it is, right? You want to be secure in your your job, whatever job, whatever line of work you're in. You want to have some guarantees up front that you're going to be able to hold that job, that the company's not going to fold, that you're going to be able to get paid, that you're going to have insurance, that you're going to have the money that's owed to you. I feel like it should be more relatable than it is, but for a lot of media members, for a lot of fans, it's not. Once again, you know, we were kind of joking about it yesterday, but it actually isn't that far off from what's happening with the writers and actors strike right now. <laughs> it really isn't. It's not. Because some people are misunderstanding what the running backs are simply asking for. Like you said, they're asking for securities and for years, not necessarily the money. The money's great if they want to get paid. You know, they should be paid more, but they're really looking for the years because – one injury and they're and it's gone for running backs. Like they they are getting hit by three hundred pound men that are moving at the speed of light every single time they touch the football. They want some assurances, and I feel like that they are deserve those. When you look at running backs, some people are pointing out the Le'Veon Bells or these huge contracts that these guys get, but in reality, most of these guys are not making that much money. When you break it down in terms of NFL money, they're not making a lot. They really aren't. They're getting. They get their rookie deal. They get tagged, and then they get another running back gets drafted behind them. They're not being able to bank in. So it's bothering me that everybody keeps pointing to these big, You're huge right. contracts when in reality it's right. it's about the majority. Le'Veon Bell. Everyone wants to bring that up. He goes on jet skis, gets hammered for a whole season, and then comes back and he gets hurt with the Jets. Granted, he was playing with the Adam Gase Jets, but no one wants to mention Derrick Henry. No one wants to mention Christian McCaffrey. No one wants to mention Nick Chubb. Those contracts are fine. They've aged okay. I don't know why everybody is 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 latching on to Le'Veon Bell and Zeke Elliott when there's examples right. of contracts that have aged fine. And you're not paying a, a king's ransom to go get these guys anymore. You're not paying Ze- the Zeke Elliott was six six years, ninety million dollars. No one. I don't know if there's any running backs out there that are being reasonable with themselves that are asking for that money. And like I, it, you look at these teams now, Saquon. Uh, you know, the, the Giants are trying to sell hope, right? They bring in Darren Waller. They they have a good defense. They pay Dexter Lawrence. They pay Daniel Jones. Um, they're trying to sell hope. Here. Um, and, and, and I guess the Raiders, like, you need to have some level of hope in your backfield. Like, since those two guys didn't sign their franchise tender, we're going to wait all off se- the rest of the offseason to see if they'll report to camp at all. Will they even play this year? And without those guys on those teams, your your expectation needs to go down dramatically. It's just strange. It's strange. And, and for Saquon in particular, I, <laughs> I find it funny how 
Daniel Jones gets paid upwards of $30 million a year. Saquon basically got him that contract ultimately. I, I have these numbers here. Daniel Jones' career with and without Saquon Barkley. With TD to INT, 44 to 17. Without 16 to 16. With pass yards per attempt, 6.9. Without 6.1. With Saquon Barkley on the field, 91.4 passer rating without 77.3. Feels like Saquon made an average quarterback not expendable, but he didn't make ex- his self expendable with the output and the production he had last year. It's it, it's just a strange situation, and it, everyone wants to talk about how running backs are undervalued, but we don't talk about how quarterbacks can be overvalued in a lot of situations. How defensive tackles this offseason, we saw a bunch of them get paid. Maybe they're overvalued. There's a lot of positions that can be overvalued while running backs still are undervalued. Des Bryant put out a graphic yesterday. It's a bit misleading because yeah, of the yeah. number of a number of position guys, but it's still kind of shocking when you look at it. The average running back salary is 1.8. The average kicker salary is 2.26, which is, again, there's 100 running backs, 125 running backs. There's like 32, very, very few kickers. Still, yep. though, when you look at that graphic, you're like, damn. Like, I yes, get it. We, I get we've it. come a <laughs> I We've get why gone a bad direction. Now, yeah, again, some of those guys are undrafted and moving up from practice squad to real squad. But still, 1.81 to 2.2, like, that's great. It's a kicker. It's a kicker. That's insane. Now, before we, uh, before we talk some SEC media days, can we uh, – and we may be laughing at the expense of our, of our good friend John Martin. Uh-oh. But the Raiders situation – if Josh Jacobs oh, doesn't yeah. play this year, yikes! Is especially yikes. It's awful. Not only do you have Josh McDaniels as your head coach and uh, Mark Davis as your owner, <laughs> like that's that's just dysfunctional in itself. Week one, considering Jimmy Garoppolo may be out with his shoulder and or, or, or all of his all of his different ailments. Brian Hoyer and Amir Abdullah are listed as the backups for Jimmy Garoppolo. And for Josh Jacobs, week one of an NFL regular season game against the Broncos, can you imagine the Raiders running out Brian Hoyer at quarterback and Amir Abdullah at running back? Brian Hoyer is just going to play in the NFL for the rest of my life. Yeah. Well, he's got Josh McDaniels has just attached his name to him. But uh, Brian Hoyer and Amir Abdullah in an NFL regular season game against the Denver Broncos. That's embarrassing. <laughs> That's embarrassing. I don't know. If, you, if you're the front office, if you're Josh McDaniels and you look at that, I don't know how I can even take myself remotely seriously. How I can think my job's going to be saved on the back end. Brian Hoyer and Amir Abdullah as the quarterback-running back combo in the backfield. Give me a damn break. You need Josh Jacobs. You need him. But they're not going to pay him. It's very clear. Now, SEC Media Today's day two is rolling along, and uh, there's plenty to get to. Kirby stepped up to the mic. He said a couple of things, not really about the offseason. He sort of avoided that conversation. But the big story of the day is Hugh Freeze is back at SEC Media Days after how badly it ended with Ole Miss. He's now with Auburn. We'll talk about that when we return on the Gabe Coon Show, 92.9 FM, ESPN. Guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline. Now back to the Gabe Coon Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM, ESPN.
Back in on the Gabe Coon Show, 92.9 FM, ESPN, SEC Media Days. Day two, rolling right along. It was uh, it was time for Kirby, step up, Zach Arnett from Mississippi State, Clark Lee, who just got uh, extended through 2029, and then uh, Hugh Freeze. I'll get to him in a second. Um, but I thought the story of the day was going to be Kirby Smart. That's the truth of it. And, and honestly, it had to do with everything that was off the field. right? We have 300 separate incidents in his seven years of – Reckless driving and driving-related offenses. You had 11 guys, uh, according to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Again, that story that was written in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution has been demanded to be retracted by the uh, by Georgia, uh, the University of Georgia Athletic Association. But there was 11 players that were supposedly still on the team after having run-ins with women that had to do with violent sexual assault, sexual harassment, the whole nine yards. But Kirby didn't really get asked about that. Ultimately, he got asked about his team coming off two national championships. What is that going to look like? What are you fighting? How much does a three-peat mean to you? On the three-peat, he said, the only thing, you know, he's less worried about a three-peat, and he's more worried about fighting complacency. And I can see where a team who's won two national championships in a row could get complacent. But I think ultimately last year showed us something. They lost 15 guys to the NFL draft. The guys behind them tend to have – an extra motivation to show who they are. They're four stars, they're five stars, they're top 100 recruits. They want to show what they can be. So I think, you know, fighting complacency uh, is, is going to be relatively easy for a Georgia Bulldogs program who's just been fantastic the past two years. Also, we talk about this cupcake schedule. And for those that have not paid attention to what Georgia has coming off their second national championship in a row after a 15-0 season, yeah, they're going to have to replace quarterback. Carson Beck is sort of the favorite in the room right now. But you look at this 2023 schedule, it's hard not to imagine them waltzing to 10-0 before they walk in to Tennessee, at Tennessee. It goes UT Martin, Ball State, South Carolina. Easy, you would think, 3-0. Then UAB, easy 4-0. Then you have Auburn on the Plains. You're, you're, you're at Auburn, so I guess there could be some – Thoughts there that, oh, yeah, there's, some, there's some voodoo there on the plains at Auburn. But at the same time, this is year one with Hugh Freeze. I'll get to it in a second. And I would imagine that Georgia can sort of waltz through and handle their business there. But then you have Kentucky, Vanderbilt, Florida, Mizzou, Ole Miss before you get to Tennessee. It will be a 10-0 season before they go and they visit Tennessee. And what is Tennessee ultimately going to be? Joe Milton got replaced by Hendon Hooker, and that, you know, that, that ultimately led to Tennessee and their – their uprise the past two years. Is Joe Milton at that point in the season going to be able to um, show what he can do? Josh Heupel's offenses as you get later in the season, as you, you, know, you look at the spread out, you look at the route combinations, Georgia was the only team last year that was able to make sure that not all of those uh, great wide receivers, you know, you talk about Jalen Hyatt, Ramel Keaton, he, he was the only guy. That Georgia defense was the only team that was able to keep them from running free. Alabama couldn't do it. No one seemingly could do it. But Georgia did it. So, I mean, you look at the – you wrap up the season there at Georgia or against Georgia Tech, this looks like an easy 12-0. Now, I do want to bring up what Kirby had to say about it. He was asked about the cupcake schedule, and his simple response was, come play it. I think that's very fair. Believe it or not, I think that's fair. When you come off two national championships, you can only play what's on your schedule. And I think Georgia's very clearly – just going to play what's on their schedule. But ultimately, 
You can talk about last year after that Oregon game, they had a stretch of easy games. They struggled against Mizzou, but they, they found their way back. When we get to postseason play, did it ever matter? Did it ever matter that, you know, the middle part of their schedule was relatively easy? Georgia can run through, go 12-0, and but when we get to the college football playoff, again, fighting that complacency, Georgia's going to show us. And they'll either be ready for the moment or they won't be. But the last two years have shown us they will be ready for that moment. We can talk about easy schedules all day, all we want, but we talk about eight SEC games. That's always tough to do. Week in, week out, four away, four home. You have to bring it every single week. And by the time we get, roll around to another 14 playoff and Georgia's a part of it, do you really expect they're going to fold just because they played some easy schedule? No, absolutely not. So by the time we get to playoff season – we can revisit this conversation, um, and if they fall flat, then we can then we can uh, talk about how easy their schedule was on the way. Now, I think the story of the day though was Hugh Freeze. Hugh Freeze back in the SEC, Connor. I that is, I mean, come on. I I I, I found it. I just find it so bizarre where we're at in college football. Like I, you know, he completely blows up the Ole Miss program. Like, just completely blows it up. Matt Luke has to take over. You finally find some stabilization with Lane Kiffin after that. But he blows up that Ole Miss program, and he fell upwards as far as job is concerned. And he's at Auburn. So I just want to get that out front. Now, one of the bigger stories of the day was about the status of their running back at Auburn. That'd be Jarquez Hunter, one of the best running backs in the country, one of the best running backs in the SEC. They're trying to uh, replace Tank Bigsby. Jarquez Hunter is the guy. On the status of him, he was kind of noncommittal. He said, I can't comment on the university policies and procedures. He declined to say if he thought he'd be available this year. I found that strange. And if Auburn does not have him available this year, you do really wonder how they're going to be able to get by. You do wonder. Because after that, we're talking about Damari Alston, who's a sophomore, uh, Brian Batty. Like You have these guys that you just they're unproven. Jarquez Hunter is the most proven player on that offense for Hugh Freeze and Auburn this year. If he's not allowed to play, you could run into a very tough situation. And I think Kentucky had an issue last year. Around the same time at SEC Media Days, Chris Rodriguez Jr. was not available, and they struggled the first part of the season not having him in the lineup. Now, his was injury-related, and there was some off-the-field issues. Jarquez Hunter sounds like it's off the field, but we'll see if he's able to uh, return. I would imagine you know, some type of return by the time they get to conference play is in order, but if it's university policy and procedure, that could be a big struggle for Auburn in the first part of the season. Also, he did mention Philip Montgomery from Tulsa. We're very familiar with him. He said he's going to be the main play caller. So Hugh Freeze is completely deferring, giving Philip Montgomery the keys to it. And this is a guy who's been around. This is a guy who can call offensive football. I played him at his peak when he was at Tulsa. It's hard to get players in there, but there was Dane Evans, there was Kiaris Garrett. What he was able to do at Tulsa some of those years, it was, you know, one year on, one year off, one year on, one year off. He could never find consistency because there is recruiting limitations at Tulsa, right? They, it's a very smart school. It's private. It's hard to get guys in. There's only 4,000 people that go to Tulsa. Even with that, Philip Montgomery did coach some very prolific offenses, and I think he has the ability – to go make that happen. The biggest question about getting that offense up off the ground, though, at Auburn, is going to be about the quarterback position. They bring in Peyton Thorne, who's obviously the the you know uh, leader in the room right now. You bring him in from Michigan State. He's been around the block. He's a transfer senior. 
grad transfer. You expect him to take over that room and run with it. But from a talent perspective, Peyton Thorne did not really have his best year last year without Kenneth Walker in that same offense with him, in the backfield with him. So what is he going to look like when you translate that to the SEC? And also, Robbie Ashford is still there. Robbie Ashford, it's more of a, you know, you look at, at what he can accomplish and what, what he's able to do. He's more dual threat. He can use his legs. Uh, he has, still has a good arm. But can he somehow press and push Peyton Thorne for that starting job? That's going to be the biggest question for this Auburn offense and for Philip Montgomery ultimately getting them up off the ground this year. Now, <laughs> he also, Hugh, addressed what I addressed there off the top of the, the conversation here. He addressed leaving Ole Miss. He said, when the ending at Ole Miss happened, it was truly hard to process if I would ever get a chance to coach in the SEC again. I guess at the time, sure. But once he got that job at Liberty, started bringing in Malik Willis, started bringing in these talents at quarterback, bringing in different recruits, was there ever really a doubt? Let me ask you this, Connor. Was there a doubt that you thought that, that Hugh Freeze, did you think that he was going to be held up at Liberty for the rest of his coaching career? No. Exactly. I don't buy what he has to say there. I think he thought that he was going to be an SEC coach again. And again, he fell upwards. He went from Ole Miss to Auburn and Wait, gets, in a, gets, in a, gets in a spot. Are you trying to tell me that Hugh Freeze said something that isn't true? <laughs> yes, I am. Yes, I am. I am, I am stunned. But uh, he fell upward into that Auburn job. And, I mean, for a lot of reasons, he fell upward. I mean, he did a really good job at Liberty. We know how he is at bringing in talent. Uh, you could make jokes out of that. The jokes write themselves with Hugh Freeze at times. But uh, – he, he, I think he is in a good spot to take over this program. And when you look at Auburn, I would not rule out. Like, it's hard not to find seven wins on this schedule. Coming off a year with Brian Harson, they're just so – or a couple years with Brian Harson, where they're just that, – that fan base is so annoyed, so beside themselves with how that went, that they just wanted a coaching talent. And, and be that as it may, you know, Hugh Freeze – has transgressions in the past. They saw the coaching talent in him, and I feel like the fan base is rallying behind him. He's recruited relatively well. They're going to have, I mean, several. I mean, you know, just sort of looking up and down their depth chart, you, there's not a I – mean, there's a realistic possibility they could start 10 or 11 transfers. Shane Hooks comes over from uh, Jackson, uh, Jackson State. Um, he's, a, he's a really good wide receiver. He was their lead wide receiver. Jair Shorter. Comes over from North Texas. He was a solid guy. 11 TDs last year for them. They completely rebuilt the offensive line on the defensive side. They, I mean, we're talking about five possible transfers that will start uh, along that defense. And I think, you know, when we look at their, their D-line, it could be three transfer starters for them over there. So they've rebuilt this thing. And then you look at their, their schedule. They start the year with UMass. Easy 1-0. UMass is in a terrible spot. Then you go to Cal. Are we really reasonably – I guess Cal could somehow pull off some magic, but they don't have a good roster right now. Cal is not good as far as the football program is concerned. They're thinking – I mean, they've had transfers. They could potentially get left out of, of realignment conversations. No one's talking about them to the Big Ten or the Big 12 or anything. It's the four corner schools and then uh, Oregon and Washington. California's in a weird spot. I could call that 2-0. Samford, 3-0. Then you finally hit a, a tough – Part of your schedule. A&M, Georgia, LSU, Ole Miss. That's going to be a struggle. That's going to be a struggle when you start conference play. But then you end the year, Mississippi State, at Vandy, at Arkansas, New Mexico State, and then Bama. And if we know one thing about Hugh Freeze, he has learned in the past how to beat Bama. He has two wins, even at Ole Miss, 
over Bama. I'm not saying that's going to happen this year in the Iron Bowl, but we know that Hugh Freeze makes the second-half adjustments, the requisite adjustments to potentially go challenge Nick Saban at his own game. So we'll see what happens there. But UMass, Cal, Samford, 3-0. You look at Mississippi State as a potential win. Vanderbilt, Arkansas, potential wins. New Mexico State. I, I look at the schedule, and I'm seeing six, seven wins off top for Hugh Freeze. That's an improvement for that Auburn program. And I think all those fans will be completely on board with what he's doing in year one. Now, he's got to keep his hands clean. He's got to make sure he still runs that thing the right way, which is with him, certainly an if. But Hugh Freeze back in the SEC, and it feels like the success on the field ought to follow. And that's the truth of the matter. Now, we have to transition to other things. Jeff Calkins will join on the other side. There's plenty to discuss with him. We'll do that next on the Gabe Coon Show, 92.9 FM, ESPN. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of colors starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them with more on the way. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future. In vehicles and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is Electrified Diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with a vehicle that's right for you. A hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Toyota, let's go places.